Hello and welcome to Wellbeings. Today's episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by Jackson White, Attorneys at Law. We have a wonderful episode today. I have a conversation with Melissa Heenick, who happens to be a social worker for Jackson White. So we already have a relationship, but um, I had such a great time talking with her about what she does. And I was able to talk a little bit about what I do, um, which, believe it or not, I don't believe that I've done. Uh, Even after recording maybe 100 episodes or so, I don't believe I've really uh, pitched what I do. So I had a good time doing that. But but more so, I had a great time talking with Melissa Heenick. She's been with Jackson White now for 12 years, and I hope that she'll remain with us uh, <laughs> until she retires, which hopefully will be a long, long ways away. So enjoy, folks. Melissa Heenick. Melissa Hennick, welcome to Wellbeings. How are you doing today? I am doing very well, Taylor. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, much better now that I am kind of sitting down and relaxing and talking to you. Uh, you're the highlight of my day today. Um, so we'll just start out with maybe a little bit, a little bit of a biography. Um, you know, when you meet somebody for the first time, really the, the question that you ask for whatever reason, <laughs> although it's probably not the most important thing, but we ask, hey, so what do you do? Um, and so uh, when asked that question, Melissa Hennick, well, how do you respond to that? Well, usually I do respond by telling them what I do professionally to start with. And so I am the elder care advisor for Jackson White Elder Law um, in Northern Arizona. So I cover all of Northern Arizona for Jackson White. I work remotely. Um, so I am one of those long distance employees, shall we say. And I basically help people. That's what my job is. My job is to be a resource, um, both for professionals, as well as for families who are dealing with elder law related issues, such as accessing long term care benefits, doing powers of attorney, um, getting started on guardianship, conservatorship, and things such as that. Wonderful, wonderful. There are a couple of things that stood out to me. One, you work remotely, which means um, there's a great deal of trust there. Uh, there, there is an opportunity to abuse that, I, I believe, and and you have proven to not abuse that and not only do what's expected, but go above and beyond uh, remotely. Uh, so I'll just throw that throw that uh, in just as a just a to speak to your character, um, so to, so to speak. And, well, thank you. And another thing you said is my job is to help people and that you can frame things any way you want in your mind. And I really like that you've framed it that way. Um, helping people, um, in the context of elder law, can you expand on that a little bit? What, what, give me a typical client or a typical person that you're, you're helping. Absolutely. So I do want to state for the record, because this is a misperception that a lot of people have associated with my job or my role at Jackson White, um, is that I am not an attorney. I am a social worker who works for a team of elder law attorneys, one of whom is Tyler, who I'm speaking with. And my job is to help families navigate the long-term care world. Um, And 
And in doing that, I am a support to professionals working with those families. And many of the families that I help initially through our free pre-screen, which is basically an opportunity for a family to receive education and information about the eligibility criteria for the Arizona long-term care system, and also the VA wartime pension program with aid and attendance. Um, but that pre-screen entails helping educate those families, helping identify whether or not there are eligibility problems for one or both of those programs, and then getting those families pointed the right direction. And sometimes the right direction is Jackson White. Sometimes they need professional assistance with getting their loved one eligible and approved for those long-term care benefits. But many times they don't. Many times it's a matter of simply directing them straight to Altex, directing them back to the care facility where their loved one is residing for um, internal assistance with that process. And so that's probably one of the biggest parts of my job is completing those free pre-screens. Um, in addition, I also educate the community. So I do um, presentations about Altex, the VA wartime pension program, advanced directives, and those presentations um, are all free. They are available to professionals and to the community at large. Um, and I have to tell you, that's one of the things that I really love about working for Jackson White is that there is so much that we do for and give to the community at absolutely no cost. Um, I personally think we are one of the best resources for free and accurate information about these long-term care benefit programs, which are very difficult programs to navigate through. Um, and yet we do all of this for free. And I consider us to be excellent stewards of the information and the knowledge that we have about these systems that we can help families, whether they're our paying clients or whether they're simply somebody who comes to us for a one-time educational session to, to get a better idea of what they're, what they're up against as they get started on the process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, Everything you're saying makes complete sense to me, but perhaps to the uninitiated, there's some gaps that that um, maybe could could use a little more explanation. You talked about navigating the long-term care world. Um, so, for instance, um, we'll we'll use a hypothetical couple, husband and wife, and you know they're up there in years and everything's fine, and then. Um, they have, you know, uh, they have moderate savings and a house and all of a sudden husband, you know, has a stroke and, and will need long-term care for the foreseeable future. How much on average does long-term care cost in a, we'll just say in a skilled nursing facility? Absolutely. So typically the cost will range the lowest that I see um, out in Northern Arizona is somewhere in the area of about $6,000, but that's bare bones. That's nothing added. Typically, once you add all the additional costs that come along with it, medications, disposable undergarments, all those types of things, you're easily looking at at least $7,000 per month. And if you're looking at memory care skilled nursing, 
Starting cost is about $10,500 per month. It can go up to $15,000. And if you're looking at ventilator care, you're looking at a starting cost of probably $25,000 per month. So even a family that has that moderate savings that you described or has a home, they're up against a wall. There's no way they can sustain that type of outgoing expense for a long period of time. And typically, it's the well spouse, the one who's not sick, who is worried not only about making sure that their loved one, their spouse is getting the care that they need, but they're also worried about their future and what that's going to look like. Yeah, they could sell the house and then there'd be money to pay for their loved one's care, but where are they going to live? And if they spend all that savings, what will they live off of, especially after that spouse is gone and their income is reduced? So that's where we can step in and by providing education and sharing with them options available to them by way of long-term care benefit planning that we have available, it's a very real possibility that we can help them protect a lot of those assets so that the well spouse has adequate resources to live on in the future while the ill spouse is getting the care that they need. I see, I see. And and the 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 beginning of all this, as you mentioned, is a free pre-screen. What is, what is the free pre-screen and how is that helpful? Well, we partner unofficially, but just work alongside almost all the care facilities um, throughout the state of Arizona. So skilled nursing facilities, assisted living facilities and such. And oftentimes in hospitals, they refer these families to Jackson White for our free pre-screen. And that pre-screen involves educating families about what long-term care benefit resources are potentially available to them. And then by taking a look at their own personal circumstances with them, so we, we gather the information that we need that we can actually determine whether or not it looks like that ill spouse is currently eligible for those long-term care benefits either available through Altex or through the VA. And then we can help get them pointed the right direction with regard to getting started either on planning services to get eligible if there are eligibility issues that need to be resolved or pointing them straight to Altex or to someone who can assist them with that VA application process if it doesn't appear that there are any eligibility problems and that they can undertake the process on their own. I also think we have to back up just a minute because when these families reach out to us, they know, they've identified generally that their loved one needs some sort of additional care. And now the barrier is how they're gonna pay for it. And many of these families wrongly assume that these services are gonna be covered by Medicare. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that if they aren't covered by Medicare, then the assumption is they will be covered by supplemental insurance. Mm -hmm. And so typically my launching point, shall we say, when I'm doing a pre-screen is to have them tell me what their goal is for their loved one. What are, what are you looking at for this individual? And if they tell me, well, I, I think he's going to have to go into assisted living or I think he's going to have to stay in skilled nursing, then the next question I generally ask them is are you in a position to be able to pay for that? Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of where the conversation gets rolling because typically that's when they say, oh, well, I'm hoping Medicare will pay for it or he has supplemental. And then I educate on the fact that Medicare and supplemental insurance are medical insurance and medical insurance pays for medical treatment and medical treatment has a purpose to get you better. Long-term care services, the purpose isn't to get you better. The purpose is to take care of you because you can't take care of yourself anymore. And as such, they're not what we would call a medically necessary service. And so they are not covered under medical insurance with the exception, of course, of inpatient rehabilitation. But again, that's treatment to get you better. And so when they realize that what they have isn't going to cover the cost of their loved one's um, ongoing care services, then that opens the door to be able to talk about long-term care benefits. Do you have private long-term care insurance? If you don't, let's look at these other options, which would include Altex, the Arizona long-term care system, or for a wartime veteran or their surviving spouse could potentially also be the VA wartime pension program. Yes, gotcha. So, I mean, in a nutshell, then the concerns are, one, uh, how are we going to get this care that, that now we need for potentially the rest of our lives? And then two, how are we going to pay for that care? And, and I mean, the, the two issues are, are intimately intertwined. Uh, he, he really can't have the care without without paying for the care. And and even this hypothetical Jones family we're talking about, even if they have a few hundred thousand dollars saved up and Social Security coming in and, and that was supposed to last them the rest of their life, it's not going to take more than a couple of years to go through all that money at seven dollars $8,000 a month, much less uh, a more expensive placement at thirty forty thousand dollars $40,000 a month. And so... Um, the, it, it, this program of which you speak, Altex, Arizona Long-Term Care System, is uh, a, a vital, necessary part of, of long-term care for many, many people, right? Uh, of course, nobody thinks they're going to need it. We all think we're going to be the two. Um, but look to your left, look to your right. Uh, one of those people are going to need long-term care. And long-term care is... Um, is once it becomes necessary, the very first question is, how do you pay for that long-term care? And and your your role, as you've described it, is helping people um, accept that okay, this is going to be the the new way of living from now on. And two, um, how are we going to pay for that? And here are some here are some uh, programs that can that can help you pay for that. This is a very niche area. And um, I, as a social worker, you, um, you, can, you, you can do a lot of different things. What attracted you to this very niche area of, of uh, professional life? Well, I, I can't actually say I sought it out. It kind of found me. Um, I worked in the insurance industry after graduating um, with a double major in business administration and sociology. I worked in the insurance industry as an insurance adjuster for many years. And I found it very unsatisfactory to me personally. 
because although I saw my role as an insurance adjuster as helping people, the people that I was helping didn't perceive me as helping them. And, and that really wore on my spirit, shall we say. I did not care for it at all. And I knew that I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. And so I, I left the insurance industry behind and I went into community mental health. And I worked in community mental health for almost 10 years. I worked with children um, and I also did some quality management work. And then I had a significant life change in that I had my first and only child at the age of 42. Hmm. And I didn't want my child to grow up in daycare. I don't have any problem with daycare, but having waited so long um, to have that blessing of motherhood bestowed upon me, I wanted the privilege of raising my own child. And so I put feelers out to a whole bunch of friends and just said, hey, I am in the market for something, but I'd like to be able to work from home. I, I'd like to be available to my, my baby, my, my toddler now. Um, and one of my friends had worked in hospice and she was very well acquainted with Jackson White. Um, and there was a, a opportunity presented to her to do some contract work for Jackson White. And she didn't feel like she had the time to devote to that given her responsibilities in the hospice world. And so she connected me with Jackson White. She said, hey, I've got this gal. She's, you know, she's reliable. Um, and Jackson White took a chance on me. And I am exceedingly grateful for that. I knew virtually nothing about levels of care. I, I really didn't know the difference between a skilled nursing facility and a group home or a assisted living facility because I'd worked in the children's world and I worked with kids in residential care. Some of the terminology was similar and I had worked with Medicaid, but I had worked in the acute care system not in the long-term care system. And so I've kind of grown up in this industry as a, as a contract worker and then eventually as a staff member um, with Jackson White. And I am exceedingly grateful for that opportunity. But I do think that one other thing that has really, besides the fact that this job takes the skills that I had from other positions and occupations, being able to read policy, like I had to as an insurance adjuster. Altex has a crazy long policy. And oftentimes I refer to it. Um, having worked in mental health and knowing about the levels of care within, within the mental health world, all of these things kind of blended together when I got into the long-term care world. And then I think that in combination with the fact that I placed my grandma in long-term care years before I went to work for Jackson White. That was my introduction to the long-term care world, was placing my mother's mother in an assisted living group home and researching it and trying to identify what services were out there and how to access them and how to pay for them. And I will tell you, I wish I had known about Jackson White because I didn't. So I just kind of stumbled through it all 
to try to help grandma. And I think that gives me a level of empathy for the families that I work with because I've walked this road. I know, I know the stresses. I know, um, I know the emotions associated with it. I've been on this road myself as somebody who had no idea what she was doing. And so I think that that gives me a compassion for people that, um, that really resonates with them. I, I care and I understand because I've been there. Mm, that's lovely. And what happened with grandma? Did she uh, qualify for Altex? She did not. So, um, Fortunately, one of the many buildings that I was in contact with did mention the program to me. I called. Grandma had sold a house, so she had money in the bank. Um, and so I called Altex. They asked me what her income was. She was within the limit. They asked me what her resources were. I told them what, they, what she had in the bank. They told me she had too much money and wished me well, hmm. which is what? A lot of the families that we work with are told. And I had no idea that there was another option, that there would have been help available through all text planning services like what we have to offer at Jackson White. And so I found a great assisted living group home for my grandmother, but a lot of the... Um, a, a lot of the determining factor of where she went was whether or not she could afford it mm. without having to drain her resources exceedingly rapidly. Um, and so my grandmother ended up paying privately. And, um, and you know, I, I think what families don't realize, Tyler, is it's not just about what it costs on a month-to-month -month basis. But it's also all of the disposable undergarments, all of the toiletries, all of the other things that grandma still had to pay for. And she was paying for care that exceeded her income. So we were dipping into her resources every month. And, and that was pretty bare bones. Um, you know, that it was, she wasn't, she had dementia. So she was pretty housebound by that time. She wasn't interested in going and doing and all that kind of stuff. And so she didn't have a lot of extra expenses. But when you factor in a Medicare premium, a supplemental premium, all of those other added expenses, in addition to the cost of care, um, it added up quickly. Fortunately, her money lasted. Um, she was only in assisted living for about a year before she had a massive stroke and we lost her within five days of that. So we paid privately for about one year. Oh, that's, um, that's too bad. I'm sorry for your loss. I know it was some time ago, but, uh, nevertheless, I'm sorry for your loss. And, and that's, that's kind of how it goes. Um, it, just to contextualize this a little bit. Um, we'll use Maricopa County. The, the average cost of care in Maricopa County uh, is about $8,000 a month. If we want to get precise, I think it's $8,029 and maybe 34 cents, something, something 46 cents, I think is what it is. So, but you know, that, that's a lot every single month. Um, now, to qualify for Altex, you can have no more than $2,000 of available resources. Um, likewise, you can, uh, you can have no more than, uh, $2,523 of monthly income. Uh, so if you have 
$2,524 of monthly income, you're too rich for all tax, even though the average cost of care is $8,029 a month. And so uh, it, it really doesn't seem to add up. And, and so you go to all tax, you follow the application. They say you have too much money come back when it when it's all gone and so that that was kind of what you were doing right you're going through the spend down process spending it down organically but the problem or problems with that of course are well first uh, well the money's all gone so there's nothing left for those other things that you talk about that maybe maybe aren't covered uh, you know no no extra money for for you know snacks food diapers poker money none of that stuff and um, the other problem is if your money's all gone and you file for Altex, well, it's still going to take Altex a few months to process the application. And, of course, somebody has to pay for care while that application processes. And if your money's all gone, you can't, you can't pay for your care. So you have to find someone else to pay for your care while the application processes. So it, it's, the system is fraught with difficulties. And, and what you do, what we do together is we help people we still help them spend down but we use spend down as a term of art as opposed to a literal uh phrase of of spending it all down there are ways in which to spend down uh you know legally and ethically uh, that that perhaps will also allow you to preserve some of those resources and get into um, get into a facility that Altex will pay for sooner rather than rather than later. And so you your role now, right. you said you want to help people. Um, you truly can be a savior of sorts in these in these types of situations. You know what I see myself as it's an agent of hope. I think a lot of people who call me are overwhelmed. And, and they may even be at a point of feeling very hopeless, like they don't have options. They don't know where to start. How do you take the first step forward when you don't know where you're headed? Mm, good point. You, you don't even know how to get there. You, you can't start moving towards someplace if you don't know which direction to turn. And so what I love about my job is being able to offer people hope. I, I offer solutions. It, I am finding, Tyler, that it is very easy especially as we get older. Um, I'm seeing this a lot with my mom in recent years. Um, and that is, it's very easy to identify problems. Mm -hmm. But you can't get stuck there. Well, you can. And in fact, I find that a lot of people do get stuck in the problems. Mm -hmm. and, and I see myself as offering solutions. And that's where the hope comes in. Because, okay, you've identified the problems, but let's not, let's not stay there. Let's not stay in the problems. Let's identify solutions. Let's get you pointed the right direction. Let's get something going for you. There's no purpose served in living in the problems. We need to, we need to activate the solutions and be moving toward those. Um, and, and something to go back to what you shared about even the spending down and, and running out of money and then applying and having to wait a couple of months. I think it's important to point out that the odds are stacked against you going into this application process. With a denial rate of almost 80% for all text applications, there is a much greater chance that you will be denied than you will be approved. Yes. So if you're banking on an approved application, Sorry, 
unless you're in that 20, 21%, it's not likely to happen, at least not the first time. That's right. And so that's why I feel like I'm able to offer such a valuable service to people, and it's free on top of that, in that when we are educated, we're empowered. And, and it means that knowledge is power. So the more I know about this application process going into it, the more likely I am to find myself in that 20, 21% of approved applications as compared to the 79 to 80% of denied applications. And so um, I don't know why everybody who's looking at these programs doesn't avail themselves of our pre-screen. Sadly, not all of them do. They just don't get connected with us. But I just think it is an invaluable service. Um, and I, especially when you're looking at the reality of the situation. I couldn't agree more. And I'll comment on a couple of those, a couple of the points that you raised. Um, the, it is true, in, fa in fact, that the, the denial rate is around 80% or so. Um, however, uh, within the population that we serve, I would say that the denial rate is very close to uh, zero, provided that our, our clients, the folks that we help, um, you know, act as a team player and follow instructions and um, knowledge is power. And when, when we know how to navigate this process, the, we can get an approval. It, it's not, it's not luck. It's not, Oh, I, I hope that we fall under the 20%. It's we're going to do this <laughs> the right way. And we're going to be in the 20% uh, because we have that knowledge. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's not, it's not as scary when, when you know, when you know what you're doing. Um, Absolutely. And, and I oftentimes equate this to filing your taxes. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I tell families is I tell families that it's not all Texas job to get their loved one eligible and approved for this program. It's all Texas job to look at the information that you provide them with, and they're very clear about what they want, but assuming you provide them with the information they request from you, it's their job to review that information, to determine based on that information, whether or not your loved one is, is eligible for this program. Mm -hmm. And it's much like when we get our taxes done. We all just went through that recently. We can try to do it ourselves use TurboTax or whatever we use, do it ourselves. We can hire a tax preparing service or agency. We can hire a tax accountant. And, and yet sometimes get what you pay for. I, I don't know how else to put that. Mm -hmm. And so because we don't know all the deductions, we don't know which ones to claim. We rely on somebody else knowing the tax code shall we say, and figuring that out for us. And so I have, I don't know about you, Tyler, but I've never had the IRS call me ever, ever, ever to tell me that I missed a deduction that I have coming. And could they please apply that for me? It's never happened. No. It's the same thing with all texts. They're not there to get your, your person eligible. And so you can try it on your own, keep your fingers crossed, give it your best shot. And 
I hope you're successful, but I know for a fact, based on the denial rate, that the likelihood of you being successful is not all that great. And so we're kind of like that tax accountant. We're the people who know the Altex policy, and we know it very, very well. And we use that policy to the benefit of our clients as compared to the detriment. And so it takes the guesswork out of it for the family. You don't have to try to figure it out. You don't have to try to rely on all techs hoping they'll tell you how to fix the problems because the likelihood is they won't. That's right. It's not their job to get your loved one eligible. And so we're doing the get your loved one eligible And I want to stress, you've referenced this, but I want to make this very clear. We're getting your loved one eligible in compliance with the Altex policy. There's no hiding anything. There's no working around the policy. We are working with the policy and we are getting your loved one eligible in compliance with that policy so that you can get them the benefits that they need. Um, and get them as promptly as possible without a bunch of unnecessary denials and delays. When you're looking at a minimum 45-day processing period for an application, if you get denied, you're already down to $2,000 by the time you've applied, if you're doing this on your own. So you apply, you're now into the second month of not having enough money to pay, and now you get denied. And you just potentially added another 45-day application processing timeline to that. Now you're two and a half or three months into not having enough money to pay. And it can perpetuate and perpetuate. I, I just talked to a man today. His wife has been denied three times now. Wow. They are months into this process and they are still really no closer to getting her eligible and approved for these benefits. My response uh, instinctively is, wow, unbelievable, but it's not unbelievable. It's very believable. And the 45 days that you reference, that is, if you're very lucky, uh, a 45 day processing time, while that is what they claim to adhere to, it's very rare that they actually process an application in 45 days. And I wish more people knew uh, that the denial rate was so exceedingly high. I have, I've heard time and again, just as recently as yesterday, that oh, my mom is very close to receiving her, her benefits. And I said, oh, how do you know that? Well, we filed the application yesterday. And so, you know, we're just going to wait. And there's just this misconception that you can file the application. And so I went through some things that, hey, do you have your mom's um, bank statements ready? They're going to need those. And it it was the dad. It was his dad. He was filing for Altex. And he said, well, it's my it's my stepmom and I don't have access to that. So I'll just tell Altex that I can't get them. And unfortunately, doesn't work that way, does it? It does not. (laughs) I've I've learned that by getting bumped on the head. Um, I won't go through the story now, but, but I, I, as a young lawyer thought that maybe Altex would take kindly to these equitable arguments of, Hey, we can't get it. So it's inaccessible. So we shouldn't count it. Well, it doesn't work that way. Even if it is equitable, they don't apply equity. They apply the rules and the rules are 
you need to demonstrate <laughs> with every piece of evidence that is out there um, that that you know that you meet the requirements, and and they they don't they they're not going to take kindly to uh, assertions that oh we can't get those or my my stepmom is you know doesn't want to participate so I can't so she, so we should just look at dad's stuff. None of those arguments work, unfortunately. They don't. And and that, again, is part of the beauty of what we offer through our free pre-screen, because those are points that I cover when I'm talking to a family. I let them know that we have a master document checklist that they can begin gathering that paperwork now, even before they start an application so that they have it together. I let them know that all text doesn't take no for an answer. They don't take substitutions. They tell you what they want and they expect you to produce it. And if you don't, they will deny that application. Another thing that contributes to that high denial rate mm -hmm. is families not knowing how, shall we say, the game is played. Mm -hmm. You play the game by all Texas rules to get all Texas money. But if you don't know their rules, Mm -hmm. what's the likelihood of success with that? Um, right. And so that pre-screen helps them understand. And, and, and I say right from the point, right from the beginning, that, that you have to understand philosophically how this process works. And that is that the burden of proof by way of eligibility for these programs, it rests firmly on the shoulders of whoever is handling the application. That's, it doesn't rest on the agency. Exactly um, right. And so knowing that you go into it with a totally different mindset and you have to very much have a can-do attitude. Mm -hmm. And that you're not gonna take no for an answer, that you know the right questions to ask, that you have your ducks in a row, you've got your paperwork together. I mean, we know this, Tyler, but they give you 10 business days from the date that they send you the letter telling you everything that they need. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're caregiving for somebody, so let's say it's that 85-year-old wife who's taking care of her 87-year-old husband at home. She's got her hands full taking care of this man. Mm -hmm. And then all text sends her this laundry list of stuff that they need from her. And they tell her that she has 10 business days from the date on that letter. And it was mailed to her. And it took three days to get there. Mm. Yeah. So now she's down to a very tight timeline. And she honestly does not have any extra hours in her day. And so if we can help connect people with those resources to begin gathering those things sooner rather than later, they're in a much better position. And it's a much less stressful process for them, whether they're working with us or whether they're trying to do it on their own. Those paperwork requirements, as you and I both know, can be very daunting for the family. Yeah, they sure can. And um, yeah, you're, you offer an invaluable service and in preparing people for this now all everything we've talked about it, it sounds great and um and people uh, when they do it right i think tend to choose professions that uh, say align with their personal interests and their personal values in your case um do you have a a personal mission statement and if so this is kind of a, a multi-faceted question and if so uh, 
do you have a professional mission statement? Um, and then my follow-up to this is how do these two statements align? So, so my personal mission statement is to love God and love people. And I think that manifests itself by wanting to help people, by wanting to make a difference in their lives. And so I see my job as a ministry. I am ministering to people. I am, I am trying to help people. That is what I am here for, to help families, to help professionals. I'm here to help people. Um, and, and I think that this job fully aligns with my personal, personal mission statement, or truthfully, I probably wouldn't be doing it because my job isn't just a job. It literally, it literally, um, fulfills me. It fulfills my, my mission or my goal of loving people and making a difference in their lives. Um, by way of my, my, um, professional mission statement specific to this job. A few years ago, I was just in a contemplative mood and I thought, how would I summarize in just a few words what I do? And, and what I came up with is that I educate, I empower, and I encourage. And, and I educate through a variety of means. I use the, the pre-screens, obviously, to educate people one-on-one. I do presentations, and, and I love public speaking. So I love the fact that this job enables me to get in front of people and educate large groups of people. I mean, the more the merrier, send them my way. Um, and then I, then I have an opportunity to reach more people at one time. So that, that educational component is huge to me. I, I, that's one way I love to help people is to educate them about something that I'm knowledgeable about. Then the empowering is simply really through the education, because going back to what we talked about earlier, that knowledge is power. When you are knowledgeable, you are much better equipped to to go out there and do what you need to do. And then the encouragement goes back to the comment that I made earlier about how people seem to be really good at identifying problems, but they're not always quite so good at identifying and implementing solutions. And so that encouragement is a gentle push to get them moving rather than staying stuck where they are. Yes, indeed. A couple couple of things there. Um, You talked about not knowing which direction to go. Even even preceding that is even knowing that there is a direction to go in the first place. Many people don't even know that there is a program called Altex that pays for long-term care. Um, and then if they're fortunate enough to know that it, that it exists, they don't know which direction to go. Um, and, and you help with both of those. And, then and, I- they su- and they suffer in silence, Tyler. And it's sad to see. Because what I see happening um, in a case like that is a child who has had to give up a job um, or um, feels stuck or trapped, maybe doesn't have the right skill set to be a caregiver, and yet they're they're stuck doing it because mom can't be left alone anymore. Somebody's got to do it. Or 
It is some precious man or woman who is literally killing themselves trying to meet the needs of their spouse. Mm -hmm. And, And they don't know that there is help available out there that's accessible to them. Those are the ones that are heartbreaking. Yeah. The the ones that are maybe a little further down the road, shall we say, are the ones that their loved one wound up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. It, they couldn't manage their care or the person just got really sick. They wound up hospitalized. They were there for at least three nights. They ended up in rehabilitation. Now, this caregiver is getting a much needed break and they are recognizing, I don't think I can do this anymore. Especially it always comes down to if they can transfer. They always tell me it comes down to whether they can walk. It's really not about mobility. If you can get your backside in and out of a wheelchair, you can be gotten from point A to point B. But if you can't get your backside in or out of a wheelchair, so the transferring aspect, that's a big problem. And especially if you're a big 250 pound man and you have a 125 pound wife, Mm -hmm. there's no way she's going to be helping you transfer. And so once they're in a care setting where they're getting some rehabilitation and it becomes very apparent that they are just not going to be able to manage this individual's care anymore, those are the ones who who oftentimes are, are being connected with us at that point in time because of that recognition of that need. But it is the ones that are suffering in silence in home that I wish there was an easier way to get that message out there to let them know that there is help and hope available. Yeah, that is that is one of the more frustrating parts of of this job is getting the message to people, you know, they don't know that it's there. So they're out looking for it. And we don't know how to find them. But if we could only find them, we could offer them such a great service. I want to read something. I, t- um, I don't know that I've ever read anything from the Bible in on this podcast before. But um, this is this is from the New Testament. And this is then one of them, which was a lawyer asked him a question tempting him and he's talking about Jesus, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. I suspect that your mission statement uh, originated from this. Absolutely. My whole life hinges on that, Tyler. It it, it really comes down to the fact that in loving the God who created me, that I'm going to love other people and that I am going to serve and honor other people. And that's one of the things that I most appreciate about my position at Jackson White is that it enables me to do that professionally. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I do in my personal life all the time, but it, but I can't not be me. Mm -hmm. And that's what motivates me. That's what keeps me going. And, and, you know, there are draining days. Uh, I know you have them too. There are draining days and we hear a lot of sad stories. And yet every day I get up, and I ask for the opportunity to be a blessing to someone today. Let me bless somebody today. 
And it never fails that that opportunity arises. Somebody calls, somebody learns something they didn't know. All of a sudden, this world of opportunity is open to them. And, and that is what keeps me going. That fills my cup, is, is helping other people. It sounds like uh, your prayers are definitely answered. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we've, talked, we've talked quite a bit about uh, various components of your job. Can you give me uh, uh, maybe a typical day? What's a typical day look like in your position? How does it, how does it play out uh, logistically in, in the real world? Hmm. Yeah, let's say there's no typical day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's really no typical day. There are days that I'm in the office, and in a, on a day that I'm in the office, um, I'm on the phone almost constantly. Uh, we're talking from 8 till 5.30 probably. There's a lot of, there are a lot of aging individuals in our state who, who need help, and so there are a lot of family members who call me. So on those days I'm in the office, I am doing pre-screen after pre-screen after pre-screen after pre-screen. And then the associated, you know, data entry and all those things that go along with that. But in addition to that, I also provide client support. So um, for those families who do need our professional services to access these benefits for their loved one, I am going out, I am meeting with these families in their home. We are actually a firm that provides house calls, um, you know, we go to our clients oftentimes. Our clients are oftentimes physically or cognitively impaired. It's very difficult for them to get out and about. So as an elder care advisor, I get to go to them and I assist with document signing appointments. I am um, the no a notary. So I actually review those documents with them. I help get everything signed. Um, and I love that aspect of my job. I love meeting our clients um, and, and offering that support. I also do outreach. So, you know, people People may not know to, to come our direction if it weren't for the fact that some professional referred them to us. And so I'm out there building relationships with professionals. I am gaining rapport and establishing it and building it um, so that they know that we are a trustworthy firm that they can safely refer a family to knowing that they will be treated right and they will be given accurate information. There's a crazy amount of inaccurate information that floats out around about these long-term care benefit programs. And I love nothing more than to set the record straight. And so I'm out there establishing relationships with these professionals, providing them with education so that they in turn are referring the families that they're working with to us for our assistance as well. So while that's not a typical day, that's probably a typical week because any given day, I could be in the office, I could be out of the office, but it's always about connecting with people and connecting people with the right services, the right resources, the right benefits, um, the right services so that they get their needs met. Mm, that, uh, that's a very, very noble, noble profession that you have. Uh, and you talked about uh, one of the distinctions uh, between what you do and what maybe other 
other people in in your position do in other organizations you talked about house calls and visiting skilled nursing facilities i imagine that COVID had an impact on that how did how did you um recalibrate for uh, for COVID? COVID really made it hard um made it hard. I mean, it was hard for all of everybody, all of us, but especially for those of us in this field, because um, everybody turned inward. They did. They, they all were in hideout mode um, from a safety perspective. So it became very difficult to get into care facilities, to meet with staff, to meet with residents. Um, we had to find a lot of crazy workarounds, but we never stopped throughout all of COVID, Jackson White never stopped meeting with people in person. Never. If they were willing to meet with us, we were willing to do it. Um, and, and so it definitely became harder. And something I learned about myself in the midst of all of it, because I do work remotely, I'm not in the office all that much. You could attest to that. I mean, maybe once a year. Mm -hmm. And since COVID, I don't think it's even been once a year. And I never realized how reliant I was on my business associates to be a support system to me. And so when everyone started hiding out in their own offices and you couldn't get together with anyone or see anybody, it really was a deficit for me. I, I, I struggled with that. But something that I've learned is that when I'm struggling, one of the things that can, that can be most effective in helping me get through that is doing for other people. And so I did a couple of things during COVID, especially during the um, stay-at-home order and all of that, that, that really filled my cup and I hope filled other people's cups. Too. So I'm blessed to have a, a crazy backyard. My backyard is like a personal park. Um, it's kind of like my family's hobby. We invest a lot of our time and money in, in the landscaping and the flowers and the fruit trees and the vegetable garden and the ponds and all these things that we have in our backyard. And so here I was stuck at home trying to find workarounds to reach these, um, these other professionals and these families that I was working with. And I was surrounded by beauty. I just had flowers and green stuff everywhere. And I thought, I need to share this. And so I started this texting thing that I called Friday's Flowers, where I would just send pretty pictures of flowers out to all these different ladies in my life, in particular, my coworkers. And one of my coworkers was more of the motivation than anyone else. Um, and I won't mention the name, but this coworker had suffered a very tragic loss and found herself living alone when everybody was stuck at home during the stay at home order. And my heart broke for her because I knew how difficult that must be. And so I just started sending these pretty pictures of flowers um, out via text. Well, before you knew it, because I am an educator at heart, <laughs> I started seeing life lessons in these flowers. I had this flower that started growing in the expansion joint of our sidewalk. We hadn't planted it, 
but it just took up root and started to grow and bloomed. And I saw a life lesson in that. And before I knew it, this thing had grown into this weekly posting that I do where I just basically share words of encouragement, um, life lessons from the garden, shall we say, that I call Friday's flowers. And that has perpetuated. It is still continuing and it has grown and grown and grown and is reaching lots of different people now. And I am so grateful for that opportunity to encourage in that way. But something that, that we did for the residents of these um, skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities. I have a sweet friend named Mary and both she and I, our hearts broke for these individuals who were so isolated from their loved ones because there were no visitors allowed in the care facility. Some of them weren't even allowing window visits at the time. A lot of these people didn't know technology. They didn't like video calls. I mean, it was better than nothing, but it, it wasn't like, you know, you can't give a hug to, to a pad that you see your kid on the other, you know, reflected in the screen. And so we decided that we were going to send cards to all the residents of the skilled nursing facilities in Kingman, Arizona. And before I knew it, because I couldn't limit it to Kingman, Arizona, before I knew it, I was sending encouragement cards to every resident of every skilled nursing facility and every skilled nursing or in every assisted living facility throughout my entire service area. <laughs> we sent thousands and thousands of cards and my sweet friends hand painted over 70 cards. We ended up having to photocopy of them, photo, photocopy them and send them out that way because we she couldn't do thousands of hand-painted cards, but she made all of these beautiful hand-painted cards. We wrote an encouraging message in each one of them, signed them, and then again, Jackson White, through their generosity, recognized that this was going to make a difference in the lives of these residents and supported this effort that we were able to mail out thousands and thousands of cards. And I will tell you, I just heard from one of our clients' wives in Flagstaff. He passed away recently and she called me and she said, I want to thank you for the card that you sent to Harry. Mm. I just found it in his stuff. How nice that was that you wanted to encourage him during that hard time. And so it not only impacted residents, but it impacted their family members as well. And we ended up repeating the same process for Christmas in 2020. And I made my friend Mary promise me that she would be more involved with all the folding of these cards and sorting them out. And then she went and got COVID in the middle of it all. And I ended up staying up till 11, 12 o'clock at night before Christmas, trying to get all these cards out to all these residents. But what a blessing it was to be a blessing to other people. Indeed, indeed. So, so I, I have found that that is the, the most surefire way to overcome any, any challenge that I, that I'm dealing with. You know, when I, when I look at my problems and then I try to help others with theirs, it really puts things in perspective and it's pretty hard to stay down on yourself when you're, when you're helping others. It's, it's nearly impossible. 
uh, I have found that to be from from a selfish perspective, I guess the, the quickest way <laughs> quickest way out of my own problems. But but how gratifying indeed it is to do do things like that with with no hope or no expectation of reciprocity. Just just doing something from from the kindness of your heart, and again coming back to how it how it benefits me. I. It might sound a little bit woo-woo or, uh, you know, the secret type of a thing, but but really it's when I have an abundance mentality and I, and I, and I give without any thought of what I might get in exchange, I almost always, in fact, always, without exception, um, those, those good deeds have come back to me tenfold. It's... Um, it's when I start to worry, you know, when I have the scarcity mentality and, and I, I don't want to give and I'm worried, Hey, times are tough. I shouldn't be, shouldn't be sending out all these cards and paying for postage and doing all these things that times are tough. Well, when I, when I have that scarcity mentality, it's almost like I, I attract scarcity and, and it becomes true. And when, then when I have the, me- the abundance mentality and, and feel free to give and and um, and do so without any expectations. It's it's like something happens and the universe opens up. Maybe not directly from that, but another opportunity will open up. And it's just almost without fail, um, giving will amount to receiving. <laughs> it just seems to work that way. Exactly, and and it's. Yeah, it, it is just the way that it works. And I, you know, I find you mentioned a scripture verse earlier. I'll mention another one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And and, and when you treat other people the way that you want to be treated, that comes back to you. It sure does. When you give a smile, you get a smile back, generally speaking. Um, and so, so it's just the law of the universe and and as we give it, we are given to and and the more you fill other people's cup the more your cup tends to overflow this is this is true and i am a recipient of your friday flowers and i i enjoy them every friday uh, not only the the beautiful pictures but the beautiful messages that accompany those those friday flower texts you, um, uh, we're running short on time here. I know, I know your time is valuable. And I know that you're busy. Um, you've, you've mentioned several times uh, ways in ways in which you fill your cup. I'll I'll ask the question, um, even though you've already given several answers. But you are in the profession of giving. Your 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 role, as you put it, is to help people. Um, you can't give away what you don't have. You just can't. Um, and, and so you have to keep your cup full. Are there, um, are there other ways, or maybe you can just, uh, restate in, in a bullet, a bullet point fashion, um, the, the ways in which you keep your cup full, the ways in which you take care of your emotional, spiritual, uh, health, uh, so that you are best positioned to help people like you want to. You know, as an extrovert, I love to be around people. So so it's easy to be able to love on people when you love being around people. And so my cup tends to be filled by being around people. Um, and 
you know, I, I have a wonderful husband and son um, who I adore and am, am grateful that they fill my cup. And so it's, it's being, it's being with my family. It's, it's spending time. Um, I told you we love to garden. So I didn't even know I liked to garden. I lived in Lake Havasu for 25 years. You don't garden in Lake Havasu. It's too hot. <laughs> um, I had no idea I liked it. We moved to Kingman eight years ago um, for my husband's job. And it worked out very well for my position at Jackson White too, because it made me in a slightly more centrally located area to be able to get to other places, um, like including Flagstaff and Prescott and things like that within my service territory. And um, I love, I love growing flowers and I love sharing those with other people. I'm blessed to have my mother and brother who live in the same community that we do so we can get together. Um, I'm part of a faith family. I regularly attend church. I, I minister. I love children. Um, and so I teach a children's Bible study and, and I can be as worn out as the day is long. In fact, it's tonight. It's on Wednesday nights. I can have had the, the longest, most draining Wednesday that I feel like I'm having to drag myself down there. And I get with those kids and it just lifts my spirits. I just love pouring into the lives of other people. Um, and so it really is, it's just surrounding myself with people who, whom I can invest in that fills my cup. It's really more giving that that I get my cup filled than that I'm actually trying to to get from other people it's giving to them and that's what fills my cup and I think that's important in the field that I work in um I see my mom and, and my mom's very much a people person too but my mom right now at 82 is taking on the weight of the world with her friends as she sees her friends health declining or a spouse passing or whatever, it just weighs on her. I can't take everybody's problems as my own problem because I talk to so many people with huge problems every day. And, and in the moment, I am there for you. But I've also learned that I can't adopt your problems. I can help you identify solutions to your problems, and I can try to get you moving forward in that, but I can't make them my own problems. And I think that's a really key component to being a successful social worker, is being able to separate yourself from your clientele's problems. It doesn't make you any less compassionate or any less caring, but you have to learn how to establish good boundaries that you can't, you can't take the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a very important point to remember. And I, I just, I think that's huge. Um, and I think that people, people don't always understand that about social workers. They think, oh, how depressing. All you do is hear problems all day. And I do. But I don't like to stay stuck there. So I offer solutions. And then I, at the end of the day, I have to, I have to turn that off. And I have, to, I have to live my life and live it in a way that fulfills me, surrounded by people that I love and who love me, and that we offer each other support and encouragement. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. 
you you know you've mentioned several times now this you know that, that people are are, per, are confronted with problems and and I'll just add a comment to that for every problem and for every obstacle and every rule and every restriction at least in the Altex arena there is a solution a workaround another rule that allows you to bypass the first rule so if you're out there and you're listening and you're and you're working your way through an Altex application and you hit an obstacle just know that every obstacle has a way around it and uh, and that's why Melissa and I have jobs <laughs> you got it yeah. you know I told I told a group of professionals a couple of days ago I said you know what I am actually very grateful to Altex I am very grateful that the application process is so difficult because it makes for a very successful elder law practice. And while I would love for it to be easier for people, I'd be happy to be out of a job if it were easier for people um, so that they didn't have to go through all the angst that they currently have to go through. The reality is there's help out there. And I, I, Personally, as the Northern Arizona Elder Care Advisor for Jackson White, I would welcome your call. If you find yourself in that position of needing help with um, accessing benefits to help pay for a loved one's care, please do not hesitate to call us. We would be happy to help you, either myself or one of my business associates with on our outreach team would be happy to talk with you and help you identify those some of those solutions that we've been talking about today. Yes, and, and I'll just add to that. Um, there, people, people have this, uh, I wouldn't even say misconception, it's, it's generally a true conception that lawyers can be expensive, but... But this call to Melissa is genuinely free. And, and I, I would say, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's only a small percentage of the, the people with whom Melissa interacts that ever retain us. I mean, uh, most of the information that Melissa gives is, is free. And I think that the, uh, what I'm picking up on this and what, I've ar- what I already knew about you, Melissa, is that you love giving that information for free. That's who you are. (laughs) Well, I do also, I do also love selling our services (laughs) because obviously we all want to keep our jobs, but yes, there are just a lot of people out there, Tyler, who either truly don't need our help or for whatever reason, don't recognize their need for our help. Um, But I do want to make a comment on those people that do hire us. Um, And that is that, you will get a tremendous return on your investment because you have got a, a group of, um, of very informed, very capable, very conscientious attorneys and support staff members that are going to be working on behalf of your loved one to make this happen. And honestly, it is worth every penny that you would invest in those services. I couldn't agree more. And, and at risk of sounding like an infomercial, this was not intended to be an infomercial, but, but just the team here, I mean, we have three attorneys that work on, on all techs. We have 
a, a couple of associates now who work on guardianships and conservatorships that is oftentimes necessary. We have several gals who used to work for Altex and now work for us to help us uh, prepare the applications just like Altex likes them. We have a group of kind-hearted and dedicated social workers like Melissa here who uh, enjoy and live for helping people. Um, we have we have a paralegal to prepare legal documents, legal assistance. We have a whole team of people that are that are here to help. Um, and um, yeah, I think I just went ahead and made it an infomercial, but that was not the intent. <laughs> Absolutely not. But but you know, I feel like Tyler, we believe in what we do, and, and we see the difference it's made in the lives of others. And so so. I'm not here to try to sell anybody on us particular in particular, but in the same respect, I find that that people are looking to see, do you believe in what you do? Do you believe that you make a difference? Is this a worthwhile investment? And I just want to say after 12 years with Jackson White, I am 100% convinced that what we do is invaluable and that it makes a tremendous difference in the lives of people or I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Melissa. I, I uh, appreciate your time. Um, I really do. I've enjoyed speaking with you in this context. It's been a real, it's been a real delight for me before we adjourn. Um, do you have, any last imparting words of wisdom and uh, then let people know how they can connect with you if they're so inclined. Oh, absolutely. So more than anything, I just want people to hear that there is hope and help available. Uh, don't ever think that you are without hope or help as you are confronted with the increasing care needs of a loved one. Um, and I personally would be happy to speak with you on behalf of Jackson White and you can reach me. Um, through our main elder law number of 800-243-1160 or by calling me at my direct number in Northern Arizona of 928-727-0689. And I truly would welcome your call. I know she would. Melissa, thank you so much. Um, again, it's been a delight and I look forward to talking to you soon. Very good. Thank you, Tyler. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Bye. You've been listening to the Well Beings Podcast. Tune in every Thursday to hear the latest episode. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. As always, Thank you so much for listening.